Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Like, come on, Dad. Like, what's going on? Well, son, I want you to learn. I want you to grow. I want you to be mature. And you get so upset one day because you're just not seeing your, quote, dreams come true that you say, honestly, Dad, I just kind of wish you were dead. And the reason why I wish you were dead is because I know that I'd get your inheritance. I just know. I know. I mean, obviously, I, you have X amount of money saved, and that's for me one day. So, like, gosh, man, I just wish you'd just give it to me. And the father's like, fine. You can have it. You want this? Go for it. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. In my house, we earn things. Go for it. You can have it. And then that son just goes and does whatever they want because they didn't understand the growth and the maturity of being faithful with the small, being faithful with the small, and God entrusting you with more. And so this son just throws it all away, drives down to Las Vegas, buys some wild stuff, invites prostitutes in his life, like just completely broken and lost. And then there's a moment where he's just like, you know, I wonder if I should go back. Because he pulls out his wallet of all of his inheritance and he has a dollar left. Man, I would, if I went back, they're like, what would he say? He'd probably hate me, He'd probably disown me. But you know what? My dad's got a lot of money, so maybe I can just be like one of his, his servants or his, you know, I can like clean the house. Let me just clean the house, dad. And so he decides, I'm, I'm just going to try it. Like, where else can I go? So the son starts to make his way back. And little did he know the father would look out in his neighborhood because there's a driveway. And you could see who's coming. He had the nicest house in the block. But it was at the end of the cul-de-sac. And you could see all the way down when someone was coming down the street. And he would look day in and day out for his son. Man, I wonder when he's coming back. I'm praying for him to come back. And over time, what God did in this, this father's heart is it, it grew him to not be upset anymore. He just wanted his son back. He just wanted to love on him. He just wanted to nurture him. He just wanted to provide for him. He just wanted him to do it right. But he had his own choice. And the father had to make a conscious decision. I cannot control what my, my son d- does. Right? I mean, I remember when I was like in high school, I, I could only imagine what my mom and dad would think. Like, we can't control Sam. And so he, he came to that realization, I just can't control. But then one day, he comes around. And he's driving his car that the father bought him. And he can see him driving down the street. And the son is so terrified to get out of the car of what the father would do. But in that moment, instead of being angry and malicious and annoyed, the father ran as fast as he could, down the stairs, down the lawn, past the driveway, and he opened the son's door, and he pulled, and his son was scared, like terrified, ah, he's going to beat me, and he holds on to him. He says, son, I've been praying for you. You're home. I love you. You see, this is a story that Jesus shares in Luke, the book of Luke, as he's Express, expressing his way. 
that anyone who goes too far is never too far gone. That you can always come back home. Another father might say, how dare you even come back home? Get out of here. I've disowned you. I don't even know you. You're a, you're a disappointment to the family. Not this father. Not my father in heaven. He says, no, 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 no. I come to bring compassion to you. And so the scripture says in Luke 15, 20, so he got up and went to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with, here it is, compassion. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Could you imagine like being the father for a moment? Do you think you'd be able to do that? Or would you have rage? Would you be annoyed and frustrated? Would you try to teach your son a lesson? You probably would if you didn't get the heart of God. And so my journey and Kelly's journey, our actual job as a father and as a mother to our children is to raise our children up in the way of God. And so if I'm going to do that, then I can't look to the way of the world and the values of the world to do that, right? Would you agree? I have to look to a greater good, to a higher morality, to the God of the universe that shows us how to live our life well, which is, by the way, his character. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to open up the scripture and discover what is the character of God. In a cultural moment, that we're in right now, you can get so confused because of what social media is sharing to you because if you're not careful, the social media will be your rabbi, your teacher. You know how I know that? When I sit down with someone and they're terrified of what's going on in the world. Like, oh, that's a spirit of fear. Last time I checked, my Bible said that God does not give me a spirit of fear, but a sound mind of love, of power, and so I have to do my due diligence as I put on the spirit of God and the character of God to not walk and live and breathe in, quote, fear. So today I want to talk to you about compassion. And it's not like, if I could say it like this, it's not a sexy thing to talk about. It's not like, right, like how do I, I was thinking about like, how do I get excited about compassion? But yet, it is one of the most crucial aspects of who God is. If you miss this, you will not see him as a compassionate father. You'll see him as an angry father, as a father of vengeance, as a father that tries to just make your life a living hell because of his do's and don'ts. Oh, man, pastor's talking about obedience. Why would I want to be obedient to that God? Well, you know how you can articulate your father? By your, heaven, by your earthly father. The way that you look at your heavenly father is a, if you're not sure, I just, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you out here, you will look to your heavenly father in the same way, if you're not careful, as your earthly father. And we all know our earthly fathers, they weren't perfect. Which is why I'm in a pursuit to become a sanctified follower of Jesus so that I, as a, a father to my daughters, can be really healthy. Because I want Lenya to be able to say, one day in her mind, oh, my heavenly father is not daddy, it's, it's my heavenly father. But she'll understand him by how she understands me. Does that make sense? 
So I want to read you this passage of scripture that helps us understand the character of God. This is the second time that Moses, because of his rage, he broke the Ten Commandments because he was so upset with the Israelites because they did not obey. So it says in Exodus 34, 4 through 14, So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning. And as the Lord had commanded him, side note, the Lord will command you to do things. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord. Another translation says, Yahweh, Yahweh. The, what does it say? Compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's a good God, right? However, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He's a God of justice. You understand that? Because of that, he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Now, we don't have enough time to go through like the exegesis of this, but I just want to let you know, God didn't establish it this way. You did. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, why would, one, he won't force you to do anything. So then it is our consequence, which is another translation curse in the Old Testament, not a witchery curse. It is a consequence of our actions that lead us to where we're at now. Pretty common sense, right? Cause and effect. I have sex outside of marriage. There's a high possibility I can get pregnant. And then I go to God and say, well, what happened, God? Why weren't you with me? Now I'm not married. Now this child doesn't have a healthy father in their life. Cause and effect. There are consequences to the actions that we make. Are you good with that? What did Pastor Mike say? Don't say amen. Say ouch if it hurts. Ouch. Ouch. Jeez. Ouch. <laughs> so so as, we, as, we, as we understand this, it's very simple, but we make it so complicated. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with someone and have had compassion. My eyes are filled with tears, and I'm broken on their behalf because I know they're not serious with God. And they're telling me, well, pastor, I don't really know what to do, and I've prayed, 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 and I've prayed but I just don't really know how to change this. And I'm like, stop praying and just break up with him. That might be the most spiritual thing you can do. Ouch. Ouch. But do you see the cause and effect? The Bible calls it foolishness. Read your Bible in the book of Proverbs. It's wisdom literature. The fool does this. The fool does this. The fool does this. The fool does this. The wise do this. Cause and effect. Now, when we look at God, he says, if you choose to not live within my kingdom, you are living in your own kingdom, in your own way. That's how the other kingdoms do. The Moabites, the Amorites, the Jesusites, all of the sites, right? That's how they do it because they are in their own kingdom. And it is conquered by a lowercase g God. They worship to that God. Not so with us. We worship to one God, me, this is the Bible, Yahweh. 
and I will protect you. Why? Because I'm a compassionate God. I'm slow to anger. I, will, I, I am faithful. You can trust me. However, and if you do that, your children and children's children for thousands of generations will be blessed. You can say amen to that, right? Amen, yeah. However, if you choose to say, nah, 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 I'll do it this way. That wasn't God who did it, was it? That was you. He's just telling us this is the consequences to our actions. So we can't get upset with God when we're not thinking we have the outcomes that we would want when we're not living the way he calls us to live. Does this make sense? So there's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, faithful. I want to talk about compassion. Now, the Hebrew here is related to someone's core. Um, I, I'm sorry to, to, to call out Maddie, but she's pregnant. I'm not going to be like, Maddie, stand up. Let everyone see her. She's in her, her baby month, right? So pray for Maddie. Now, now, the word compassion, the best description, it's a word picture, is a mother with a child in her womb. It's the core. It, it, it brings something like a mother does to a child for the first time. Like there was a massive shift in Kelly when we had Lenya. I'm like, who is this woman? She can get up in the middle of the night? She couldn't do that before. She's drawn to the cry of her baby. Compassion at the core of who you are. Another meaning would be the womb, right? The core, the womb. So a mother's tender feelings for her infant is, here's another depiction, deeply moved. That's compassion. You're so moved to your core. Like tears begin to arise. It's, it's connected to empathy. You're, you're so deeply moved by someone's brokenness or lack of or a child that cries in the other room and you know I have to rescue that child. We see it on social media with all the craziness that's taking place. And, and women are, are taken hostage and it's like a show for social media. Is your heart not moved with compassion? And if it's not, then it's not connected to the character of God. Compassion is a big deal. I want to tell you a story of King Solomon, who was credited in the Bible to be the most wisest man that ever lived on earth. He was a young king at the time. And they, he was worried about like, his kingship and how wise he would be, because that was the one thing he asked God to bless him with was wisdom. And so there's a story of two women that lived together, and they had their baby at the same time. They nursed the baby at night. She had hers. The other had, had hers. But one night, the mom, lay, she laid on her baby, and the baby passed away. And so in the middle of the night, she took her, her baby that had passed away to the other mom and swapped babies and went back into her home. I mean, they lived together. So when the mom that had the baby woke up, noticed that her child had died, she examined the child, and she noticed, this is not my child. But the woman had taken the child at night. So they go to the king because they don't know what to do. King, Solomon, young king, good-looking young king, tell us, what's, what do we do? But he asked God for wisdom. And he said, bring me a sword. Bring me a sword. I'm going to cut the baby in half. And you can have your side of the baby, and you can have your side of the baby. And the scripture says, as he said that, the one mom who had compassion said, no, 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 no. 
Just take the baby. The other said, yeah, we'll have two parts of it. That's only fair. And Solomon said, this is the mother of the child. That's wisdom. But watch what the scripture says. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought out a sword for the king. He gave an order, cut the living child in two, give the half to one, the other to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved. Compassion. That is the core. It's, the womb. it's, it's something that's, it moves you to your core. And Solomon caught it. Oh, this, this is the compassionate woman. So it's to become deeply moved. It's another translation for compassion. Compassion is a characteristic of God. It is one of the foundational characteristics and all the others stem from it. So then the question you should be asking yourself as I'm giving this talk is, do you have compassion? <laughs> right? Like, ah, I don't know. Like, when I want to. No, like, in every moment of your life, are you deeply moved by others and their story? Do you actually care about the person next to you? Do you actually care about the emotions and the brokenness? Are you moved by your core? I have a, a handful of scripture I want to read around compassion, just so hopefully it, it hits a core for you, a point. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, these are characteristics. Isaiah 30, 18, which has a lot to say about God's compassion, by the way, because Isaiah is also giving a depiction of the Messiah to come. Isaiah 30, 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you what? Compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. James 5, 11, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered you have heard of job's perseverance and have seen what the lord finally brought about the lord is full of compassion and mercy psalm 103 13 as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him did you read that one right have awe reverence in him that reverence goes back to exodus your way or god's way there's a reverence that draws God to, this is my son, this is my daughter. She is willing to get under my authority, to get under my protection and wings. But when she chooses not to do that, she's on her own in the, quote, kingdom she wants to live in. There's no fear. There's no reverence. Does that make sense? Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says, Jesus went through all of the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I'm going to pause really quick on this because I just want you to look around. For those in the front, can you just like look to the back just real quick? Look back. Do you see how maxed out we are right now? Now, I, I don't say that just to say it. I mean, that's awesome. But what I see when I see this is the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. So we'll hit a cap. Ouch. 
we'll hit a wall, a ceiling. We'll hit a wall and a ceiling. And it will be because we as a people did not want to get out of our own uncomfortability. And this is the terrifying idea, ideology around American Christianity. It will feel good for you. And if it doesn't, I don't like that. Pastor, don't ask me to do that. (laughs) It just becomes comfortable. So I have learned to live in the uncomfortable moments of my life. When risk is on the horizon, personally, maybe this is my personality, I'm drawn to it. And then I have to evaluate it and see where's God in it. If I do this, is it worth it? Even if it fails. Did you hear me? Even if it fails. So we're actually going to go to two services. We will do that. Yeah, that's exciting. But can I be honest with you? I'm terrified it's going to fail. But that's where God moves. He moves when we move in risk with him. He does what he has to do. So my prayer is that you would be moved to say, I'm not going to just like sit anymore. I'm going to get a little bit uncomfortable. Well, pastor, the second service might be, you know, if it's at nine, we might have to get here at like seven. Oh, man. Jeez. There's a marriage that's failing And they can only come to the 9 a.m. because their child should get sleep and they just don't want to come at that time. So I'm I'm going to be selfish and say, nah, I'll just take a seat. Now this is what I think about in the morning. Every single morning I get in my car and I drive. And now it's no longer my dream. Do you understand that? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm living in a dream of other people's dreams. And it's all for the king. It's all for his kingdom. There's a compassion that pulls me and wakes me up in the morning. It, it must draw you to more. And, and so I, I, I'm aware, oh, oh, this is what it feels like to be one of God's called. Because I don't want to do it all the time, God. Good, Sam. You're uncomfortable. This is where you grow. This is where you mature. This is where you develop. Who said it would be, quote, easy? So for me, I'm like, all right, then, um, like, Kelly's been saying this for months, by the way. Like, we need to go to two services. We need to go to two services. I'm like, yeah, you're right, Kel. And then, you know, a pastor tells me, and I'm like, let's do it. We're going to go to two services, Kelly. <laughs> and I'm learning, my, you know, I'm learning. You got to, you know, Kelly has a massive discernment in the, in the way of God as you, you travel. And, and if I could just kind of like talk about this really quick in marriage, this is why you have to be sharing everything with your spouse. Did you hear me? Everything. Well, you know, I don't really talk about that. No, no, say everything to your spouse. Everything. Why would you hide anything? So I told Kelly this morning, I said, hey, Kelly, I know this is like, doesn't sound like strong and masculine to me, but I got to be honest with you. This is where I'm worried. There's a fear. There's a scarcity here. And then she just speaks life into me. I don't feel weak when she tells me that. I feel strong because I have, we have a stronger authority and anointing when we work together. So here's my apology publicly that I wasn't listening to Kelly. Over and over, Sam, what are we doing? We need to go to two services. I'm like, yeah, Kel, you know, but, uh, but. And then it's just like, okay, now we're ready. So that's an accredit to Kel because she can hear the voice of God, not just me. 
which is a side note in your marriage. Listen to your spouse. Share with your spouse. I cannot tell you how many times I talk to guys and they're like, yeah, I didn't really talk to my wife about that. I'm like, what are you talking about? The two have become one. You share everything. Side note, all right? Side note. So when Jesus came on the scene, he is Yahweh's deep compassion that has become human. Did you get that? The character of God is compassionate. And all throughout the Old Testament, God is showing his compassion to his his people. Showing it and they fail. Showing it and they fail. And it says in Isaiah that he's moved like a mother hen is to her child. He's moved, God is, for his children. God even gives a depiction of a man who is a prophet who was married, and that man's wife goes to become a prostitute. And what happens is she goes, and she's shackled up in chains. And the prophet tells God, I don't really know what to do. And you know what God tells the prophet to do? Go back and take your wife home. But God, don't you? He's like, yeah, you know how that feels? That's how I feel with Israel. They have left me. They have gone to the other gods. They have slept around. They didn't take it serious. So now I want you to feel what I feel, prophet. Do you feel that? Do you sense that conviction? This is how I feel for my people. How how much more do you think a heavenly father feels for you when you do things in the wrong kingdom? His compassion is moved. It breaks his heart. When his son or daughter leaves and goes and just does whatever they want because he knows the ramifications of the darkness and the enemy can come and sweep you up. So compassion is putting on flesh and bones. This is Jesus. The perfect description of Jesus is compassion. He would walk around healing people. The scripture says that he would be moved With compassion, he would cry for those that were down and broken. He would heal those because he knew that they were helpless. He is deeply moved then by human suffering. Did you know that? Sometimes I think people get it wrong when we're thinking about everything that's going on in the world. Do you not know that God is deeply moved? Well, then God, if you're so deeply moved, then do something. He will. It's not in your time, though. In fact, I am, (laughs) I'll say this with my own conviction. I am terrified to open up this word and tell you when he's coming back. That's a false prophet. I have no idea when he's coming back. Please beware of men and women on a pulpit with the Bible that tell you when he's coming back. Because the last time I checked, we don't know. Now, there's signs. There's birth pains. There's growing pains. I do believe that we're in a space where we are getting closer. But I don't know how closer is to God. I don't know how much worse it's going to be before that happens. And I've learned, can I just be honest with you? Who, like, loves the Bible? Oh, everyone's going to raise their hand. (laughs) I won't ask that. That's a rhetorical question. 
I mean, like, you read up the book of Revelation, you read all the prophets, you're watching all the YouTubes, you're, like, terrified at night because Jesus is coming back. You're just like, oh, my gosh, like, do you not know? Like, Pastor, come on, do you not know? And it's like, I've been hearing that message since I was five years old. He will come back, church. Yes. But I am cautious that there's one teaching in one way this way, and then three years, and then this way, and then that, and then the Antichrist comes, and then this happens, and then this, and then this is when he's going to come back. So beware. We'll all be taken up in a cloud of heaven. Beware. This is when it happens. Do you know there's multiple understanding theologically of men and women that are much brighter than you, that know the book way more than you, that can just digest the Hebrew and the Greek, that say there are multiple ways Jesus will come back? I don't know if I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust the theologian that says, Hey, honestly, you know what my conclusion is? We don't really know. <laughs> but you know what we do know? He is coming back. He is coming back. Did you know that? I don't know when. It might be now. But I don't know. So please, please, please stop listening and in fear that just because a pastor said it, it's going to happen. That's not what the word of God says. Side note, again. He's deeply moved by human soul. Oh, that was why I said that. God, Jesus is deeply moved by this suffering of the world. Everything that's taken place, oh, some of you are going to like leave the church because of this. Even what's happening in Palestine, he's deeply moved in. So how dare I just wave a flag for one space when the book that I read, Jesus came for every ethnicity. That's the, that's the New Testament. Do you not know that in the book of Acts, when the fire of God came, there were so many different ethnicities, and I am almost 100% positive that Palestinians were there in that moment. So why would I say, oh, it's just for one tribe and one people, and how dare you do anything or say anything? This is how God's going to do it. I'm so sorry. There is another world of biblical due diligence that says that's not 100% true. God will come back for all of his people that are grafted in the tree. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter if you can speak Spanish or English or French. It doesn't matter if you have a dark skin or a light skin. He's coming back for his entire creation. But I will say this, I will pray for the prosperity of Israel. Yes, because my Bible says to. Does that mean that I'm upset and I'm not going to pray for the Palestinians? Of course not. That would not be compassion. So I get really nervous when a pastor's up here. Oh, no, no, New Palestine. No, oh, no, we just go to Israel. How dare those Palestinians? And I'm like, where's your compassion? Like, do you not read the Bible? Jesus is broken for both sides. Jesus is weeping for both children that lost their family and lost their life. Jesus mourns for those that are in deep anguish. So it frustrates me a little bit because it's a political thing. Stop with the political jargon and just look to what the scripture says. And my Bible says be compassionate to all people. You know why that's dangerous? Just say it here. That's what they did in like the Jim Crow days. They had a political ideology 
through the scripture, and then they started using their Bible to speak against the African Americans. Did you know that? They used the sacred word of God to create an ideology. That's not compassion. That's not compassion. So compassion moves you to action. Compassion draws you to be broken. And so when I see everything that's going on in the world, I am moved in saying, whoa, Maranatha, Jesus, come quick. Do whatever you got to do. This is breaking all of our hearts. Could you imagine, could you imagine your 16, 17-year-old daughter being taken by Hamas, which literally is translated violence? Could you imagine how you would feel and the deep anger you would have? Jesus is compassionate over those people. His heart breaks. That is why when he comes back, he's coming back with a sword to break every stronghold, to break every demonic oppression, to break every demonic ideology. He will come back as king. And that gives me a hope. It really does. I don't know when, man, but he will. So compassion moves you to action. Compassion makes your gut hurt. It breaks your heart, but it doesn't stop there. It moves you. It draws you to wake up in the morning and to take a stance, to to, to wake up and say, I'm going to serve the local church, to wake up and say, I'm going to live the life God's called me to live. I will no longer live my characteristic and in my way, but in his characteristic and in his way. Jesus didn't feel bad for the woman. He did something to help her. He didn't just feel bad for people. He was drawn to compassion. This compassion moves you to action. Have you ever felt that kind of compassion? Where you just had to do something? You just had to. You just had to. Early on in, in, my, in my development uh, as, as just a disciple of Jesus, I came back from Bible school. You might have already heard this story, but I came back and I was living at my mom and dad's, which they live like on the border of Montclair and Chino. And I just was like, I got to do something that makes me feel like I'm contributing to the kingdom of God. I just couldn't shake it. I just had to do something. I don't like just sitting, if you know me. I got to do something. I'm like, I know that there are people in Pomona, that there are women in Pomona that are broken, that they have no hope, prostitutes. So it was like 11.30, maybe 12 o'clock at night, and I got in my car, and I drove down there. And my only mission was to show compassion to a woman. And I, I was, like, really scared, if I'll be honest. I was kind of scared. I'm like, I don't know what the heck's going to happen, but I'm just going to go up to this woman and say, hey, hey, I just, why are you here? Why are you here? What do you mean? Well, your, your body is worth so much more than what you're doing. Yeah, but I got to take care of my kids. Are you going to take care of my kids? And in that moment, compassion, your heart breaks. And so I remember I prayed for her and I walked away and I'm like, like, God, I have to believe in you in prayer. But like, what else do we do? It draws you, it pulls you, it provokes you. When I see a man in his, his older age and he has no purpose in life and he falls into depression and he's in a downward spiral 
And it's depression after depression. And early on when we planted our church, I met a guy like that. And I just remember like, God, what do I do? How do I help this person? And then months later I find out he ends up committing suicide. Like, if that doesn't move you to compassion, it breaks my heart. That is why every single week I get up, even sometimes when I don't want to. Because I have to do something. You have to do something to help those that are down and low and in need. What is your something that can pull at the heartstrings of your life? And it's not for your gain. It's for God's. And I can't stand when people do it out of compassion and say, well, look at me. Look at what I did. Look. I posted it on social media. Do you see what I did, guys? It's like, that's, that's not compassion. That's selfishness. That's selfish gain. You're still doing something good, but your heart's not in it. And so, my friends, my, my, my encouragement to you is, do you have compassion for those around you? Do you allow the Spirit of God and his compassion to you to overflow in your life? That is why, friend, when someone comes up to me that I've never met for the, my entire life, and I hear them, their story, my heart moves. I get emotional. My eyes tear up a little bit. I'm like, gosh, this must be how God feels. It moves you. It draws you to more. It draws you to life. And so that's my prayer for you. Imagine if you looked at your children in that light in a compassionate way. And many of you are like, I do. Well, why can't you do that for everybody? <laughs> God does. Why can't you be kind to everybody? God is. Why can't you show compassion to those that it's really hard to show compassion to? That's when you know you're tested. And if you have a problem with that, then check your discipleship with Jesus. Because he was compassionate even to those that wanted him dead. He still showed love. Even on the cross, could you imagine? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's a compassionate man. It's not weak. It's actually much more powerful to do that. So in your walk with Jesus right now, do you desire to have more of this? Is your life echoed by a way of compassion or is it not? Is it greedy? Is it self-centered? Do you not even care when someone's going through a bad time? The fix for that, if I could just invite you into this, is begin to ask God, can you give me a heart after yours? Start there. And then after a while, you start, you're moved. Like in a, in a whole other way, like why am I? Well, it's because you asked God to give you his heart. So then allow him to do whatever he's telling you to do in that. And sometimes it's literally just to pray on behalf of that person. Sometimes it's just to put your arm around them and walk with them. But where are you when it comes to the character of God in compassion? This is your journey. This is your walk with God. But you will be known if you're a disciple of Jesus for compassion. And if you're not known for that, then you got to check yourself. Will you stand with me?